That's a beautiful way to start the morning. Actually, both those songs perfectly fit with where we are heading this morning. And I got to start by saying I'm so, so, so glad that uh, Shelly took all the musical ability in our family and that I got none of it because it would be wasted. Uh, and I'm glad that musical talent does not fade over time like athleticism does. Um, as I found out this week, 33, uh, that's my time when everything's falling apart. I'm the head coach of Shanahan Junior High Cross Country and Scavenger Hunt. And I gave each little team a, a list and a pen and gave them a timer and said, all right, you have 30 minutes to accomplish as many things as you can. And one of the things on that list was to find me and answer a riddle. Well, being, you know, formally athletic, uh, I was trying to find trees that I could jump up into and climb up and, you know, kind of hide for a little bit. And uh, whenever a kid, like, whenever a group found me, they'd, you know, come, oh, we found you, Mr. Pat. So I'd, I'd jump down, sign their, or give them the riddle, sign their paper, and they'd be on their way. One team, though, I was, chased, I was being chased down, and, and they were a little faster than the rest. And I uh, jumped onto, I didn't have a tree near me that I could jump into, so I jumped onto, like, those chain link um, kickball backstops that, like, every elementary school has. And what I found is... A, when you're 190 pounds, those things flex a little bit more than when you're 140. And uh, it's harder to hang on when it flexes in. So I realized almost immediately that I was going to jump off and, or I was going to fall off. So I kind of did. I, I jumped off. And as soon as I landed, I was like, oh, you have a knee. And there's something wrong with that knee now. Uh, yeah, so it's, I'm, that's a long story, long way of saying so glad that, uh, that Shelly's able to, to keep that, uh, that musical talent and just lead us into, into the morning in a beautiful way while I'm going to be limping and gimping and hobbling around looking like an idiot um, as I coach cross country. Well, we are in week three of our series called Through Thick and Thin where we've been analyzing biblical friendships. The last two weeks we've studied why friendship matters according to God and we learned that Friendship matters to God because, A, he designed us for it. During his time here on earth, Jesus demonstrated it, and he ultimately died for it. He died for the relationship and the friendship that he not only wanted to have with the people that he was on earth with, but with you and me. He wanted that, that relationship, that friendship, and he wanted us to be able to experience that as well. Last week, we looked at the different characteristics, according to the Bible, of being, a kind, being the kind of friend that Jesus wants us to be. So now we, we kind of have to hit this point where we talk about the thick and the thin. I don't know if your car has this. Cars are getting really, really cool. My, my new truck that I got in February, um, when I get in, my phone automatically connects, so no plugging in necessary. The Bluetooth hooks right up, um, and it you know, catches my Waze, my Spotify, everything. So it goes straight to the screen, and I can do my Apple CarPlay and everything. And, uh, it, and I love it. It usually goes right to the podcast. I was wrapping up, you know, in my headphones or whatever. And uh, this one day, though, I get in, and it, it, sometimes it's, it's a little finicky, and it didn't hook up. So for whatever reason, it didn't, my music didn't start playing, and so I just decided to hit the radio. And when I clicked the radio button, it took me straight to XM. Now, I don't have XM. I Paying for radio seems a little crazy, but they are relentless advertisers. XM radio people, I'm sure, 
Uh, you, if you've had it before, you usually get about 57 phone calls. Uh, like one, it's almost at the exact same time every single day, one after the other. And I'm sure that by me saying XM, 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 now all your phones are listening and you're going to be getting those calls too. Um, but the, the station that was on when I clicked the radio was a free preview of some country station, I'm guessing, because the guy on the radio was, he had a really deep uh, southern accent, and he was talking with a caller who was sharing kind of a, a struggle that she was going through. So I don't, I don't really remember what the topic of the segment was, but um, the host was asking the, the caller what was going on, and the caller said, um, recently I, I had a friend that I've had for almost 40 years. We became friends in elementary school, and we were thick as thieves from that point on. Through junior high, high school, we did every activity together. Uh, we always were in the same friend groups. Once we graduated high school, like we moved to the same street, and they're telling this story, or she's painting this picture of this story that was a lifelong friendship. And she tells the host that one night, about a year uh, before the phone call that she's making, they were at a party. They were at a party together, and her friend had overindulged. She had had a little too much to drink and shouldn't be driving. So being a good friend, she said, I took her keys, and I would not let her have them. Well, the story is that over that calendar year, the friend that had the keys taken from her went uh, to great lengths to make sure that there was no more contact between the two of them. She had blocked all of the social media profiles, she wasn't responding to texts, phone calls, even knocks at the door were being ignored, and this friend was at a loss. Just, we, I, I don't know what to do without this person. This best friend of mine that I've had for over 40 years has completely cut me out of her life because of something I, I did trying to help her, trying to, to, uh, to keep her safe. And the host, while his accent was awesome, his advice was not. Um, he said, basically, that um, she was trying to uh, mend a fence that's got warped and rotten wood. And he said, sometimes you got to just take that old fence down and send it to the burn pile and go get you a new fence. That's terrible advice. So instead of just, you have 40 years of friendship, and yes, it's been a hard year, but the, the host is saying, that if she doesn't want anything to do with you, then throw that friendship away, just go find somebody else, because they can replace that. What that lady's, I, don't, I hate to say it, but she's probably not going to live another 40 years. Now, how do you form a 40-year friendship with someone starting you know, in your 40s? That is a pretty wild, wild piece of advice. And I, I was heartbroken because the, the lady, the caller, was like, oh yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. And she literally takes this advice, and I, I hope she found a friend, but ultimately I hope that she was able to mend the broken fence, because that's what God wants us to do. Um, our God is a God of reconciliation. Our God is a God of forgiveness and grace. Our God does not say, throw away the broken fence. God says, no, there are going to be times where that, that wood is warped, where that, when that wood is broken. But it's our job to fix it, and it, sometimes it's going to take time. Sometimes it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But that doesn't remove the requirement of making lasting friendships work. Because even though our culture says it's acceptable to block and cancel and whatever else, God says the opposite. God says no. In Hebrews 13:5, God says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
That's such a, a key, key verse that demonstrates our relationship with God. We do all kinds of things to scorn Him and discourage Him and, and, and really prove that we are unworthy of His love. And yet, if you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, He has committed to never leaving your side, never forsaking you, never giving up on you. And that's something that we really need to, um, to soak in. Today we're going to be looking at the story of the Israelites uh, after they've left Egypt in Exodus. And in, ex- in Exodus 19, we read about the Israelites reaching the base of Mount Sinai. And this is where Moses would climb, this is the mountain Moses would climb several times to go be with and speak to God. Um, God even reveals his glory with his hand over the, uh, the mountain um, to him. So this is a really, really important key time for the Israelites and for Moses. Let me give you a little bit of background in case you don't know the story, if you haven't heard it, or if you just need a little refresher. The, the uh, Egyptians had enslaved the Israelites for over 400 years. Through a series of curses and miracles, God frees the Israelites from their captivity. They, uh, they're going to the promised land. They're on their way um, after this long, hard, arduous time in their history. For three months after, they're, after they are freed, Moses leads them through the, through the wilderness. And through the wilderness is not like some pretty nature walk. No, they're in the middle of the desert. And it's a hard, hard time. And the people are getting anxious. They're, getting, um, they're, they're starting to become upset with being out where they are. So they reach the base of Mount Sinai. Tensions are already a little high. And here's where we pick up our story. God starts to um, speak to Moses at the mountain. Here's what he says. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be, be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are words that you shall speak to the people of Israel." Riley and I just hit our seventh wedding anniversary on July 30th, so maybe I just have marriage on my mind, but this sounds an awful lot like the intro to a marriage ceremony. It's God promising something to his people Israel that was going to last for all time. And while that might sound crazy or out of place, in the New Testament we see that we are referred to as God's bride and he is the bridegroom. So in, in this light, and with that in mind, the Ten Commandments are similar to the vows. If you go to a wedding ceremony today, some people write their own vows. Uh, others just repeat them. The, I take you to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, sickness and health, to love and to hold and cherish, till death do us part. Amen. Right? The, um, the Ten Commandments serve as those vows between God and the Israelites. The tablets that the commandments are written on are a lot like the wedding ring. They serve as a sign of the covenant relationship between God and Israel. And I want you to think about that. I want you to have that in mind as I read this next section from Exodus chapter 20. It says, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness that, or anything 
that is in the heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water beneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of, of the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. This sounds an awful lot like a pledge of fidelity. He begins, Israel, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And uh, it's just like when I was thinking about uh, asking Riley to marry me. I, I knew pretty immediately when we had started our relationship that she was the one. It took a lot of convincing to go the other way. Um, but when I went to go pick out a ring, uh, it was a really uh, emotional experience for me. Um, I'm not generally an emotional guy. I don't wear it on my sleeve like some people do. Um, but I went, I, I went with some special people in my life to go pick out this ring. And once I, once I saw it, I was like, that's the one because it's more than $20, but it's not going to break me, okay? Um, when, when I picked up the ring, there was something that just came over me, this wave of emotion that literally, when I bought it, or when I, when I picked it up, I was alone in my car, and I started bawling. I started bawling because I realized what that ring signified. I realized that it signified that I was going to be with this person for the rest of my life. And there was nothing, there was nothing that I wanted to get in the way of that, including myself. I didn't want to give Riley a ring a promise of my love, a promise of my never-ending relationship with her. And I, I, didn't want, I didn't want to ever let her down. Holding, literally, holding that ring, not this one. Um, this one is $20. Holding that ring, <laughs> holding that ring in my hand, I started like almost having a panic attack because I, I knew that there would be times that I'd screw up. I knew there'd be times I would let her down. And, it would, and that broke me. So I wanted to be the perfect husband. I wanted to do everything right. I wanted to literally be the absolute best. And she'll tell you that I've accomplished that goal. Uh, in the last five minutes. No. <laughs> no. When, when I was giving Riley that ring, I was promising myself to her, just like God, giving the Ten Commandments to the Israelites is a promise to to the Israelites. And the Israelites, by accepting those Ten Commandments, by accepting the instruction, by listening to God, by hearing his pledge, they are like the wife, accepting the ring and living in this covenant relationship with him forever. Later, in Exodus chapter 24, it says, Moses took the book of the covenant and read in it, in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Moses took blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. Now, if weddings, I, like I'm glad we are past that point, because if, if at weddings people sprinkled blood, uh, I'm not sitting anywhere near the front row, okay? And I, we're not going to do that. But this, the reason that blood is being sprinkled is it, it signifies a blood oath, a blood covenant. If you break this covenant, that means you owe your blood. Your life will be cut short. Because if you break the covenant, it means you are saying, it's time for me to die. This is something that is 
long-lasting. It is something that is literally till the end of your life. And the Israelites agree. They say, yes, we are all in. We will live in this covenant with God as the bride and we'll live happily ever after. But we see just shortly thereafter, while God and the Israelites are in the honeymoon phase of their relationship, the Israelites totally blow it. They totally, totally blow it. And here's what it says. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and, the seven, and 70 of the elders went, of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven, for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went, into the, went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. So just kind of painting a picture here, Moses is going to literally get the Ten Commandments, the, the stone tablets. He's going to get the wedding ring. And he's telling the people, wait at the base of the mountain. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to get this thing and I'll come back and show you. So Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people, Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, I'm, weddings are awesome, but I'm glad they don't last 47 days. Um, it, but think about the end of a wedding ceremony. I'm sure that you've held rice or bubbles or sparklers. Or you've held something at the end of a wedding ceremony at some point that you're supposed to throw uh, to signify that, yes, we, the celebration is done and the, the marital bliss can begin. How sick would it be if every wedding God decided to send fire to like signify the end, and the, uh, the end of the ceremony and the beginning of the wedding? That would be incredible. So this is... This is a movement, though, that God is showing the people Israel, I'm serious. He's showing the people, I truly, I've, out of all the people in the world, I have chosen you to be in covenant relationship with. And I want you to realize the awesomeness of that. So these people are sitting, the Israelites are sitting at the base of a mountain, literally hearing from God through Moses. They're able to see everything that's happening on the mountain, and yet, they still, um, cannot, they still cannot do what they are told to do. Exodus 32 begins with Moses taking a little too long, according to the Israelites, to come down the mountain. So here's what the Israelites did in the meantime. They told Aaron, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this, Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Remember, Moses literally said, I'm going up to get the tablets and I'll be back. But they're like, he's gone. He's just wandering alone up there, the crazy guy. He's, he's up on the mountain and he's never coming home. So Aaron, Moses' closest ally, tells the people, take off the rings of gold that are in your 
in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. He's like, just collect all of your gold jewelry. We're going to melt it down. So the people did. They took off their gold that was, that was in their ears and they brought it to Aaron. He received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. They said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. God literally just brought them out of captivity after 400 years in slavery. He brings them, while they're able to see the Egyptian people who are chasing them, they're able to see them washed away. They are now protected. They're literally interacting with God in this moment of true covenant, saying, basically, at the wedding ceremony, we are in this together forever. And then during the honeymoon, they say, actually, you know, there's something over here that's a little bit better. I'd rather, rather than this all-consuming fire on the mountaintop and having those Ten Commandments, this uh, golden calf is pretty cool. So we're going to pray to it and worship it because that's the thing that actually got us out of Egypt, not this God that Moses has been talking about. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before the golden calf. And Aaron made a proclamation as well. Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. They rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play around the golden calf. How unbelievable is it that this promise is made, this blood covenant is made, and the people knew. They literally had blood sprinkled in their face. And before it's even cleaned off, they are looking at a golden calf and celebrating it as though it is their God. God knows what's going on, and he tells Moses, you need to get back down the mountain. Go down for your people who have brought you, or for, I'm sorry, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They've made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What a kind of a, a tough moment, a thick moment for Moses. Here he is, literally speaking and communicating with God, basically signing the, uh, the wedding certificate, okay? Everything is getting signed, sealed, delivered to make this, this marriage official, and he hears that, that the Israelites have already stepped out on God, that they've already broken their covenant, that they've already walked out on the relationship. And Moses is just kind of in disbelief. So he does. He goes down the mountain, and, uh, and he just he has no idea what to do. The Lord tells Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. So Moses is told by God, go tell these stiff-necked losers that I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses, I'm going to start all over with you. Moses could have taken that and said, really? Awesome. And just rolled with it. But instead, through thick and thin, he identifies with the people of Israel. Those are his friends. Those are his family. Those are the people he's loved and cared for and literally risked his own life to rescue from Egypt. So he doesn't give up on them. And he tries to convince God, God, I know they screwed up. I know it's unbelievable how quickly they screwed up. But please, I, what Moses literally tells God is I'd rather die 
then walk the earth alone. Don't separate me from them. Don't keep me out of this agreement that we have. If you're going to wipe out the Israelites, wipe me out too. He literally says, remove my name from the book of life. Now, as we get those, those Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets, Moses, is when he goes down the mountain there, he's literally carrying them. So etched by God in these stone tablets. And I, I want to know what was going through Moses' head as he walked down Mount Sinai. Here, he's, he had to be so excited. And again, he's been up on that mountain for 40 days, 40 nights with God. Just what an amazing time. He literally had God's um, glory revealed to him. And as he's walking down the mountain, having heard what God just told him, he's like, I, for me at least, I would be like, man, I, the first person I see, I'm going to smash these tablets over their head to remind them of the covenant that they just made. Um, but good thing, that's why it's a good thing that God chose Moses instead of Brian. Okay? But when Moses gets to the bottom, he, is, he, he finds everything God said to be true. And so he throws the tablets on the ground. He basically takes the ring that God offered the Israelites, and he says, do you guys even know what this means? Spikes it on the ground, and the tablets shatter. That could have been the end of the story for the Israelites. That could have been the, their, their final moments as God's chosen people, because God could have walked away and said, I'm done with you. And yet, that's not what God did. God sets an example for us. Through thick and thin times, no matter what, he will not forsake us. He will not give up on us. He will not leave us, even when we choose to spit in his face, even when we choose to scorn him through sin, even when we let him down, even though we might not be trying to, sometimes we go in direct opposition of his commandments like the Israelites did, and yet he never walks away. He never does. And so the, the stone tablets are broken, Moses basically tells the people, listen, we got to do this all over again. So they just had the wedding, they just had the celebration, and like, he's like, you know what, run it back. We'll say that was a dress rehearsal because we need to do this again. And so Moses goes back up on the mountain, and God, God agrees, I'm not going to wipe these people out, and here's what he tells Moses. Cut yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the, ta- on the tablets the words that were on the first, which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning on Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on top of the mountain. No one should come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. I imagine God saying this. This is Brian's interpretation of the situation. He's saying this because he's like, Moses, you're the only one I can trust right now. And if I see any of the others, I'm just going to flick them. Um, (laughs) Again, not biblical, Brian, okay? But he's having this moment with Moses to remind him of the, the covenant promise that he's made because God never gives up. He never gives in, and he never quits on us. God does not um, tell Moses, all right, go tell the Israelites this is th- their final chance, and they, now they need to, to practice a, a Johnny Cash love. You better walk the line. You better stick to it. You better stay true because if you don't, then... That's it. No. Instead, he says, these are guidelines for you to follow so that you can honor our relationship, that you, so you can honor our, um, our thick and thin relationship that we 
that we have. So in the New Testament, we see that bear out. We see the, the story of Jesus in the Gospels. And then following that, as people begin preaching the word and sharing the story of the Old Testament, of the Israelites uh, and their relationship, their covenant relationship with God, we see that love takes on a whole new meaning because God didn't just love them once. He didn't just love them twice even. He loved them forever, no matter what. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, 8 says his love, God's love, bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. In Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And finally, 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It couldn't be clearer. It could not be crystallized any more perfectly for us to, to understand. God wants us to be in relationship with each other. He designed us for it. Jesus laid down his life for it. And now he commands us, not just to follow the Ten Commandments, but to do it in a way that is loving, to reach out to people, um, because love can cover a multitude of sins. So if you have family, or if you have uh, a neighbor, or if you have a coworker, or if you have just a, a longtime friend that has done something that hurt you, and you're holding on to bitterness, and you're, hold, you're sticking, um, you're basically putting a, a grenade, if, you know, you pull the pin on the grenade and you're holding on to that grenade because if you have the chance to throw it at that friend, you will. Let it go. Now, don't let go of the grenade. Put, put the pin back in, okay? But what I'm saying is there's probably a relationship that you have that might have some hostility. It's time to squash it because God's love covers a multitude of sins. If he's willing to honor us and love us through it all, then we need to love each other through it all. So whatever it may be, let it go. Let God take over. So our only action item for today, I've been giving you questions the last couple weeks, the only thing that I've got for you is just to remember, no matter what, stick with each other through thick and thin, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's with your kids, your coworkers, neighbors, friends, family, whoever. Stick with each other through thick and and then let's pray. God, we do not deserve your love. We constantly trash the covenant you've made with us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but we thank you for your holy, unending, perfect, gracious love for us. Thank you for sticking with us through the thick and through the thin. Give us the opportunities to do the same with the people that you've put into our lives. We pray this all in your name. Amen this time we are going to head um, into communion. And I would just encourage you, um, as we wrap up, this is the, the end of the service, as you listen to the song that's being played, uh, focus on that relationship that maybe for the last couple of weeks you've, you've heard me, you've heard God, and you've still just hold, held on to that resentment, held on to that bitterness, held on to whatever is getting in the way of fixing that relationship, and offer it up to God. Ask God to help you work past that, that pain. Not ignore it. Not act like that didn't happen. 
but help him, ask him for help to work through it so that you can love with the kind of love that covers a multitude of sins like God does for us. I've heard a lot of sermons in my lifetime, and I've given a lot of sermons in my lifetime, and I've never heard the whole idea of the old covenant being relate, related to a, a wedding. Uh, it's just incredible. I, I'll never be able to look at that the same. And then I think about the fact that Jesus says, this is the new covenant to my blood. Every time you eat this, every time you drink of this, remember me. And what we just did, it was kind of like being the bride all over again, right? It was kind of like that. It was that opportunity to walk the aisle. The soloist was singing. We had it all going. And we're walking the aisle. And we're coming to the altar. And once again, we're being offered the ring. And week after week after week, we're offered the ring. And it's, don't get me wrong, I don't stretch this too far, okay? You're not getting saved every week. But each week you're coming up and you're, and you're taking the ring and you're saying again, I still do. I do and I still do. Every week we, we recommit to this God who has said, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, you know, and here we are off in our corner banging out our little golden calf. And why? Why? So I hope you'll never be able to look at communion the same way. Every week we do this, you'll think of yourself as the bride making the choice to walk the aisle once again, to receive the ring and to say, I still do and I always will. Relationships are hard. They're complicated. And, uh, you know, some of us have been in those relationships where someone has shut us out, blocked us, we're done. And, and you try and you try and you try to fix it and there's nothing you can do. And I just, I'd really encourage you to keep your mind on Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what that means? If it is possible, sometimes it's not yet. If they're still alive, it's possible but it might not be happening right now. As far as it depends on you, why is it not possible sometimes? Because the other person isn't there yet. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, we are always ready, always ready to say, I forgave you a long time ago. Let's get back to this relationship once again. So as you leave today, two things. You walk out the door, and if you kind of walk along the cross wall and keep going straight, there's a table there. Uh, Jaren will be there. If you want to know more about LifeWise, ask her questions. You want to learn about giving toward it, ask her questions. And then next Sunday, we're out on the lawn to start. And after a little bit, we'll go from the lawn to the river, where we have a whole bunch of people getting ready to be baptized. Some of you have already talked to, some we still need to talk. So uh, you'll be getting instructions during the week. We've got a great group of people that are going to get that water stirring next week. Can't wait to do it. So let's stand and pray. Father God in heaven, Today we, we recommit ourselves to the covenant once again. Once again we say, I don't want the idols, I don't want anybody else, anything else. My heart is solely and totally yours. I am in, in this relationship. And God, we are so grateful that when we stumble, when we fall, your heart always remains open to us. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. If you need to pray, someone down here ready to pray with you. We'll see you later.